Why do congressmen want the COP28 leader to step down? And which country powered itself on just renewables for nine hours straight? It's time for this week's Climate Recap. Hit the subscribe button below if you want to stay updated on the climate crisis and clean energy transition. We finally found an egregious enough conflict of interest for world leaders to object. It's not a problem if over 600 fossil fuel representatives attended the annual climate conference, but if one leads it, that's a step too far. Last Tuesday, more than 100 members of Congress and EU Parliament called on the head of this year's climate change conference, COP28, to be removed from his position. This is up from the initial 27 members who objected after the conference's host, the United Arab Emirates, placed the head of the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company to be in charge of COP28's execution. I mean, it makes sense from the country's perspective because the oil tycoon is also the UAE's climate envoy and serves as the Ministry of Industry and Technology. Busy man. The American and European politicians sent a letter of concern to U.S. President Biden, European Commission President von der Leyen, and the United Nations. This followed an outcry by climate scientists and activists about Sultan al-Jabir taking the reins at COP27. A spokesperson for the UAE reiterated Jabir's promise to not deviate from the Paris Climate Accord goal of keeping warming well below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels to avoid catastrophic climate change. The EU's climate policy chief actually supported Jabir leading the conference, telling the European Parliament, quote, If we want the energy transition to succeed, we have to get the energy companies on board. Vilifying them and ignoring them is not going to get the dynamics going in terms of the energy transition. And Dr. Sultan Al-Jabir has also a long track record of investing in renewables within his country. Do you think it's reasonable for fossil fuel companies to have such a loud voice at a climate conference? Where's the line? My two cents is that fossil fuel companies have a long track record of claiming to care about transitioning to clean energy and then slashing efforts or greenwashing themselves. Moreover, they tend to overestimate techno fixes that can keep fossil fuels going for longer, like hydrogen and carbon capture technology, despite both of these technologies being way less proven than clean energy. In the U.S., the Colorado River states and tribes finally struck a deal to limit their water use for the next three years. The Bureau of Reclamation required huge water reductions after the Colorado River and its main lakes, Lake Mead and Lake Powell, reached critically low levels last summer. California and Arizona are the two largest water-using states, and they couldn't stop arguing about who should cut more water. California said Arizona should have more cuts because it was allocated water last when the states were formed. Arizona argued its cuts should be split evenly. It seems like Arizona got its way. The lower river states, California, Arizona, and Nevada, will reduce their water use by about 14% collectively in exchange for $1.2 billion from the Inflation Reduction Act. That money will pay off farmers to stop farming on parts of their lots. Farming operations account for about 80% of the water use in the Southwest. This move is controversial in the farming community because farmers worry that if they show that they can reduce water usage, the federal government might permanently reduce how much water they can have access to in the future. The water cuts could have been worse, though. Heavy rainstorms and resulting snowpack earlier this year relieved the droughted river and its lakes for a bit. Federal officials have estimated that runoff into the river's reservoirs this year could be 149% of average. The drought is bound to come back, and the money will run out, so this solution is a temporary one. 
In a devastating blow to national environmental protections, the conservative Supreme Court sided with the Idaho landowners 5-4 in the Sackett v. EPA case. This decision strips most wetlands in the U.S. of federal protections, allowing businesses and landowners to fill in any wetlands on their property that don't have a relatively permanent surface-level connection to a federal water body. Essentially, the concept of groundwater doesn't exist. It also forced the Biden administration's Environmental Protection Agency to go back to the drawing board for its definition of Waters of the U.S., or WOTUS. Wetlands can actually hold more greenhouse gases than forests, so they're a very important ecosystem to maintain a stable climate and keep the planet biodiverse. The Sackett v. EPA case goes all the way back to the early 2000s when the Sackett couple bought a land to build a home. They began filling in a wetland on their property to develop on it when the federal government stopped them and ordered them to return the property back to the way it was before because the wetland on the property was considered under federal jurisdiction. They instead sued saying what was considered a federal water body and what wasn't was very confusing. In their case, the wetland was only 300 feet from a lake. The justices that sided with the Sacketts argued the wetland wasn't under federal jurisdiction because a road blocked the wetland from the lake. The justices that opposed the decision actually agreed that the Sacketts' wetland in particular shouldn't have been under the federal jurisdiction, but that Justice Alito, who wrote the majority ruling, strayed too far from the Clean Water Act's text in his decision, significantly narrowing the power of the EPA. The Clean Water Act should cover adjacent wetlands, not just the ones that are physically touching other water bodies, the opposing judges argued. What is considered under federal jurisdiction is now in limbo until the Biden administration presents another WOTUS definition. Wetlands in states that have historically sided with corporations and landlords will likely suffer significantly from this development. In Brazil, the Lula administration's environmental regulator rejected a controversial oil drilling project near the mouth of the Amazon River, highlighting environmental concerns. The area is home to understudied mangroves and coral reefs, making it a pristine biodiversity hub. The project would have been headed by the state-owned oil company Petrobras, which set aside half of the five-year, $6 billion exploration budget for the project. The company is asking the government to reconsider, and members of Lula's own administration spoke out against the license's rejection, arguing it would have provided needed jobs for the area and more energy resources for the country. The environmental regulator is unlikely to change this decision. Since the decision, though, Brazil's conservative Congress passed a bill gutting the oversight powers of the environmental and indigenous ministers. Specifically, the proposal strips the ministries of oversight of the rural land registry and other responsibilities, and it removed the Ministry of Indigenous Peoples' power to demarcate indigenous lands. This could leave a lot of room open for more agriculture development, which is the main cause of Amazon rainforest deforestation. Lula held an emergency meeting with his environmental and indigenous ministers in response, saying the game is on. We'll have to keep an eye on this story as it unfolds. Preserving and restoring the Amazon rainforest is essential for maintaining a stable climate. Finally, Spain and the UK both recently reached historic clean energy landmarks. First, wind energy surpassed gas to become the main source of UK electricity for the first three months of 2023, according to the Imperial College London. The majority of that wind energy came from offshore turbines. The National Grid also reported that April saw a record period for solar energy generation. Overall, 42% of the UK's electricity came from renewable energy for the first quarter of 2023, with 33% coming from fossil fuels like gas and coal. 
Billions of pounds worth of clean energy projects are still stuck behind grid connection delays. Spain solely ran on renewable energy, solar, wind, and hydropower for nine hours straight on May 16th. It was a sunny and windy day. And that was your climate recap for the week. If you want more news, check out the source list below for more news stories that I found important. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Thank you so much to the people on Patreon who helped support me and my fur baby, Rue. A special shout out to the climate confident and courageous David H., Norman Anal, Greg H., Paul B., Phil Plasma, Dan Morton, Nate, Specker, Bree C., Climate Teacher John J., Deanne, Steve, Kevin Morton, and SKP Joe Korsgold. I greatly appreciate your support of $5 or more. If you would like to support the Becca Sphere, please check out the Patreon and buy me a coffee links in the description below for reoccurring or one-time payments. Bye for now.